A reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. I urge you, therefore, sisters and brothers, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your thoughtful worship. Did you not be conformed to this world, rather be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may determine what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and mature? I say by the grace given to me to each person among you not to think more highly than you ought to think, but to think soundly. God has assigned each one of you a measure of faith. Whereas in one body we have many parts, yet not all the parts have the same function. Thus we who are many are one body in Christ, and accordingly we are members of one another. We have gifts that according to the grace given to us differ, if prophecy, then in proportion to faith, if ministry, then in ministering, if as the one teaching, then in teaching, as if, if as the one in exhorting, then in exhortation, as if, if as the one giving, then in generosity, if as the one leading, then in commitment, if as the one showing compassion, then in cheerfulness. Let love be without pretense, despise that which is evil, cling fast to what is good. Love one another as children raised together, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not hesitate in diligence, be a fire in the spirit, serve Christ. In hope, rejoice, in suffering, be patient, in prayer, persevere. To the needs of the saints, contribute, extend hospitality. Far from the women's lectionary. All right, so our value this week, I think everybody knows we're going through a series of all of our values as a church, and our value this week is we are family, and the side note to that next to the prompt was, that's what we are, though not related by blood, we are inextricably bound to each other, we are cared for and by each other as a storyline value. All right, I want to start thinking of a movie scene or a scene from a book that idealizes family. Who's there? What are they doing? What's the setting? What's the vibe? What do you feel in your body when you think of those scenarios? Mm -hmm. Think of a movie scene or a scene from a book that idealizes family. Who is there? What are they doing? What's the setting? What's the vibe? What do you feel in your body when you think of these scenarios? think of Little Women. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about the, the one made longer back. Okay. Um, this, is, this is very hot. Um, and all the girls sitting around what of their mother as she reads a letter from their father. And they're like all cuddled up present and just uh, absorbing all the goodness from their dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then was there another question I was supposed to answer well, what do you feel when you think of those scenarios um, uh, people who love each other yeah. I don't know if it's um, idealized but the uh, the ones that come to mind are uh, uh, my big fat Greek wedding and uh, Nan in real life, uh, parenthood, the, the TV show. Um, I, I'm drawn because I grew up in a big extended family. I'm drawn and appreciate this larger extended family dynamic where you get to see 
it's a, it's a more complex system than just a, an immediate nuclear family. Um, so I guess the, there's feelings of nostalgia for me in that. And I also, um, they don't idealize family to the degree that there's, there's conflict present in all of those systems. You know, you see the, the challenges and struggles, um, and wounds and brokenness in those families in each of those shows or movies. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I'm not in touch with my body enough to know how it feels when I think about that. So that's all I've got. Those are all good ones. I am thinking of like Harry Potter and just, um, you know, the misfit dynamic of all the people that are welcome into the Weasley house that's, you know, Harry's welcomed in when he how it comes from a broken, disjointed, unloving family. And um, and then I think of, we've always loved this cartoon, Meet the Robinsons by Disney, that's it's a lot of misfits that are family by choice that's idealized failing as a means to success and effort and trying when they, they're all inventors. I've seen this Disney movie, but they're all inventors. And anytime someone has a new invention, they'll bring it to the table and like show it off. And half the time it just backfires and doesn't work. And they're, they all stand up and cheer and are like, you failed. You're learning. Um, yeah. And they're all just, just wacky. I've always loved that. All right. What is one that you think main stage is dysfunction? When you think of like those dark comedies or um, dysfunctional dynamic stories, um, what's one you think of that main stage is dysfunction? Let's go with that. Royal Tenenbaums for me. Mm-hmm. For sure. Malfoy's family in Harry Potter. Yeah. Ew. Oh, so much scariness and like power and like feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire cast of Succession. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some twisty dynamics going on. Mm-hmm. There was a movie I've seen a couple of times. I don't know if any of y'all have seen it. It was called August Osage County with Meryl Streep where she's dying from cancer and all of her daughters are come around to visit. And it it was just the most dysfunctional family I've ever seen. And, uh, and then I think the father, their father was divorced from the mother and then he ended up committing suicide in the movie. But it was just total dysfunction. Uh, you know, this is not dysfunction. I feel like just because Sarah Walker's in the room, we should say fast and furious. <laughs> you know, we're, we're family, you know. And I'm also thinking of this movie we watched recently. That's the Jonah Hill movie. You people. You people. The whole time you're just cringing. You're just like, 
stops. I think we both said stop, stop, stop so many times. It's just, it's just as offensive as it can be. Like, and the worst part of the offensiveness is that it's so like nice and like passive aggressive and so misguided and misdirected. It's just, oh. Yeah. I think those, the, the movies or shows, my big fat Greek wedding similar. Um, where you, when, whenever you have two families blending and like this cross cultural thing, two systems coming together, um, you people is ugh, that oh. same dynamic. Yeah. Recipe for some great conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So one of my very favorites that we have a little video clip of, if we can put that up there is the skeleton twins. I don't know if you've seen it, but Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader twins in a very dysfunctional family setting. And they're trying to figure out how they can reconcile and be in relationship with each other and, and have some joy in the midst of this dysfunction, realizing that family can have dysfunction and joy. This is just one of my all. Hello. Where were you this morning? Uh, well, Kevin had a friend, and last night I got lucky. Well, you missed work, so not cool. I was a little late. Lance understood. You have to get your shit together, Milo. That is a very interesting statement coming from you. You know what? What?
Sorry. Now it works. Okay. Something I love so much about this movie is the dysfunction is not resolved. It's not magically gone away, but they, you see in this moment that they're like, Hey, in the midst of all this, we're still going to coexist in relationship and find some joy and play together, which I think is a great, a great bird's eye view of the church. Um, when we look to the early church, we have every reason to think that family was defined more by community than by blood. I mean, life was pretty fragile. I'm always struck by how casually it's like everyone was killed or thousands died or everyone was wiped out. Life was pretty fragile. There was none of this like um, preciousness of saving people's lives through medical care and self-awareness. You know, all of that individualized high value on life came thousands of years later. People were pretty dependent on each other to survive. Families were multi-generational. And I think one of the best things about the church is that uh, we still hold on to this framework on some level, that um, people are dependent on each other. Um, families will have to be extended. Um, and I think if there's something that's going to save Western Christianity in particular, it's going to be this concept of we are family, that we look out for each other, we take care of each other. even when we're all broken and we have been in total dysfunction, we can still coexist and have joy and love within our community. Um, I used to not like that Jesus said, when I was thinking about what Jesus would say about families or when I look at his life, I used to not like when he says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Um, especially after I had children. Cause I was like, dude, I birthed you. There's only one answer to that question. Like, um, I really was like, how like how hurtful that must have been to his mother for him to say that. Um, and I still stand by some of that. But I I do think he was delivering a bigger message of obviously I love my mother, but what he was saying was, I'm here for the greater community and the greater family. Um and when we look at um uh, there like this is a laughter scene with Kristen Wig and Bill Hader, but there had been some intense betrayal on behalf of each of them to each other. Some just really nasty betrayal. Um, and intentionally. And I think, man, Jesus said that knowing he was headed into some fully intentional betrayal of his own extended family. Um, and I still think he had, is it in Proverbs or, and I should know this from the other night that he sets the lonely in families. Um, I love that verse so much that Jesus Jesus was looking at families in the church as a place that um, he put the lonely as a part of. Um, Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist, if any of you are familiar with her work as an author and a a social media therapist, which I hate that term now, but um, says these things make up a healthy family structure. Clearly communicating your needs, practicing active listening, learning how to compromise, taking and giving space when needed, and getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. I want to take a couple of minutes and go through what she says will occur as a result. Emotional safety in a healthy family system and some scripture we can live out as a church family to make sure we're living and growing as a family in these healthy ways. So the first emotional results she says that happen in healthy family systems are my past and my past behavior will not be weaponized against me. I'm safe to grow and become new versions of myself. And I think as a church family, we look at Lamentations 3 and think his mercies are new every morning. When people come into our church family, we're not weaponizing their past behaviors against them. But people who come into our family are safe to grow into new versions of themselves. 
I can trust that when things get difficult or emotionally challenging, there won't be threats of abandonment. Um, and I think as a church family, we can look at Deuteronomy 31, 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Um, when things get difficult within our um, church family, we don't have to say you can't come anymore. You can't be a part of this just because things are getting hard or maybe we're rubbing up against each other. So, um, all right. Another component of emotional self safety in a healthy family system, your words and actions align. And I trust that we're a team supporting each other. I like the verse in Romans 15, may the God of endurance grant you to live in harmony with one another. That it doesn't say, I trust that we are a team agreeing all the time on all the same ideas, but that we're a team supporting each other. Um, and something that I, I read a piece of poetry today on the internet that said, one of the lines was, um, your name is safe with me when you're not here. Um, I like that thought of like, when you're not in the room, your name is safe with me. Um, that we're a team supporting each other. Um, another part of an emotional uh, healthy family system that offers emotional safety, my boundaries are respected and honored. I think in a church family, this looks like I'm not manipulated or guilty, guilted into being all the parts of the body of Christ. I don't have to do all these things, be all these things, um, that my boundaries can be respected and honored. I can take space when I need it, and I'm always encouraged to take care of myself. I think this is the easiest one to um, mirror in the church. If we really think about the life of Jesus, that he goes off to rest. He goes off alone with his disciples. The whole concept of Sabbath, that a church community offers space for people and encourages them to take care of themselves. And the last one, my thoughts, opinions, and emotions are valued rather than shamed, critiqued, or ignored. I think we can live out Philippians 2 there, looking to the interests of others. Um, that even when someone else has different thoughts, opinions, emotions about a decision or a scripture we're talking about, um, or the way a certain church dynamic looks, that we value those differences and we don't shame, critique, or ignore them and be like, hope they'll change their mind or hope they get over that. Um, so these five, these six, six aspects of emotional safety in a healthy family system. My past and past behavior won't be weaponized against me. I'm safe to grow and become new versions of myself. I can trust that when things get difficult or emotionally challenging, there won't be threats of abandonment. Your words and actions align, and I trust that we're a team supporting each other. My boundaries are respected and honored. I can take space when I need it, and I'm always encouraged to take care of myself. And my thoughts, opinions, and emotions are valued rather than shame, critiqued, or ignored. How difficult is it to honor these emotional safety systems in a church family? What do you find difficult and how can we grow at storyline in these areas? If we are family is one of our core values. When you think about this emotional safety system, how's this difficult to honor in a church value, church family? How can we grow in these areas? Um, I kind of feel like COVID uh, for me, um, kind of reinforced this independence, secludedness. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
you know, that because we were all forced to be alone for a really long, long time, it's almost hard to remember how to need people or how to ask for help, but not even asking for help, just um, to believe that you're going to thrive more um, being in a relationship with people. Um, on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast, I don't know if it was the end of last week or this week, um, Glennon was talking about how she's always been anti-friendship and it wasn't until she was learning like what it means to be a friend that it's not like a this obligation of oh you know what do I have to do to be a friend this Mm -hmm. is too much um that she it's only after like trying that she realized that all these things that she does during the week to help keep her centered, you know, her breathing or her yoga or her walks, you know, that spending time being vulnerable and real with, with friends over a weekend, like ended up centering her, which was an unexpected result of being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard as I'm reading through these two, we all bring into our church family the baggage of our nuclear families and past church families. Um, And so I just want to acknowledge that sitting with some of those things is difficult. Um, That we may not come from nuclear families or church families that shared in these values. I also think it's probably important to note that we're all at storyline probably because of our previous experiences with other church families. And so like, that's just a natural baggage. I think that it, of what it means to be at storyline because we're coming with all of our, well, I don't want to be that, you know, so mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel tensions in this therapeutic frame about family and I want to name it for that because it is a cultural product and I, I like it. It has benefits, but it's also limited. And I think there's a tension for me in, and I say this, I feel like as a caveat, um, like I, I recognize my role as a spiritual leader and influence and like so my 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 caveat is i don't there's no hidden frustration for me in what i'm about to say (laughs) Um, i feel this tension myself and in my own family and it, it i think it's just a kind of a 
it's a family systems thing on one level, but the tension between, um, boundaries, personal boundaries, personal voice, personal choice, and that text you read of look to the interests of others and not your own. Um, and maybe it's housed in the team thing, but like the, um, a lot of the modern therapeutic conversation is naturally like very individualist and like very expressive individualist. Like the, the, the ultimate aim is for me to express my individuality, to individuate. And it, uh, if that's the only frame, it, it it's narcissistic. It's self-absorbed. Um, and I, like I, part of what I love about the witness of the New Testament and of the life of Jesus is, um, the, this other centered thing, um, the looking to the needs of others or loving one another as I have loved you or, uh, true love is laying one's life down for one's friends. Now, I guess what's problematic is for so long, those kinds of things have been spouted by spiritual leaders to the neglect of and trampling of personal boundaries. Uh, like forget yourself. Uh, don't pay attention to your body or right or your emotions. And so, uh, that's problematic too. Um, but I, like I, it's a tension I want to hold. I think it, it goes to the other ditch to, um, it falls in the other ditch, um, to let loose of the, um, looking to the interests of others part. So, I mean, it's a dance, really. It's just a tension I feel like, I, to be in healthy community is to hold both of those things, like, and to navigate my own boundaries and needs, um, while also, having moments where I'm like, ah, I need to, I need to center my family member and what they need and I'll figure out what I need. But like, I, I, I need to care for them right mm-hmm. now. I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying that very well, no, but you are. do we have a, two okay. Sarah's? Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And I, as you're reading that passage from Romans, I have a bunch of notes on those first few verses um, because the, the you in these passages is, um, is communal, not individual. So it's, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds communally, uh, so that you communally may discern what the will of God, uh, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And, um, and so I think it's an interesting tension there. And then, but, it, but the other thing that's interesting to me about that is, uh, the other tension of, uh, we as Americans have a very individualistic culture. So it's interesting that we're kind of like therapeutic, ther- therapy is kind of moving into this like individual space. We are already a very individualized culture as opposed to other cultures that are more communal. And so that also, that, that tension there is, is interesting. Yeah. So. Um, I was going to say like individual therapy, like Sarah's right. It's the, it's cultural, but then also if 
all therapists were trying to fix families as a whole, no one would ever make any money, any money. That will be then what is right over what is like at the sake of inclusion or, um, you know, if someone's violating our boundaries of the way we treat people or respect each other, um, you know, for me, I look at like, there will be thoughts of abandonment. We won't be like, well, I guess we can't, is this person uncomfortable? Or, you know, we won't honor this, these people in our gathering because it makes, you know, we won't abandon the virtue or the values of our family um, over making someone feel excusing bad behavior, I guess is what I'm saying. And that's a way that we respect and honor boundaries. And these are, these are difficult in a church family. They, they sound like really great ways to offer emotional safety in a family. And then you look at, like you watch a movie like the skeleton twins, you're like, well, she did this. Well, then obviously she did that because he was acting like this. And he, and like that kind of thing exists in every family dynamic, especially a church family. Like, well, they need this. So we did this, but I needed this and we didn't do that. You know, there's just always this sense of, and something that's interesting when I'm, as I was thinking through the idealized family movies and book scenario, all, all of those are scenes from a bigger story. You know, there's moments in Harry Potter when, there's intense jealousy between Ron and Harry that sends them their separate ways. And then little women, you know, there's just, you know, Joe loves Maury and, you know, just there's so much like there's always this aspect of either struggle, betrayal, dysfunction. Um, and that's even when we maybe romanticize or rose, look back at a maybe seen with rose colored glasses, it's always just a smaller part of a bigger story that I think that the church mirrors um, on our best days. We are this place of emotional safety um, that is welcoming. And on our worst days, we are humans just like we are in any other emotional family system. And I think when things get difficult and we say we value, we are family that we, we don't leave when things get emotionally challenging, when there's difficult conversations that we, um, we encourage ourselves to take care of each other. We don't shame or critique or ignore our needs, um, that we don't manipulate each other's boundaries, that we can exist in this family and be like, man, we had some serious dysfunction there. Things got real sideways real fast there. But when we come back to our values, we can see each other and respect and honor and love and not shame, critique, or ignore. And and hold on to that value of we are family. And we see that, I think, in in Jesus, that he both does both of those things, takes time for himself, takes time for other people, never chooses one or the other. And it's easy to say for him, but finds kind of the ultimate balance of how you do all of those things um, in a family system. Is there any way in storyline that you see we need to grow specifically in any of these areas when you say we are family? You feel any any specific need for growth? Um, I I think I just want to point out the complexity of being family or wanting to be family um, when we're not near each other. Mm-hmm. Um. 
because the easiest relationships are those that are in proximity and yeah. So it's hard to figure out how to do family when we're far from each other. I'll throw one in as I wrap it up. Um, I think it's easy for us on some level when I think about my thoughts, opinions, emotions are valued rather than shamed, critiqued, or ignored because so many of us jive on the same level of thoughts. Um, and it's hard for me sometimes to think about welcoming in someone who might have different opinions or thoughts or emotions on things um, and how we would balance those things. Which ones of those are are threats to our boundaries or to our values and which one of those are things we can listen and learn and respect and honor. That's always a difficult dance for me in the greater Christianity world. Uh, I'm going to close this out with a blessing from this new Kate Weller book I got. That's just so good. Um, the blessing is called for when you've been hurt by the church. Um, I think when the church hasn't been a good family to you and a hope for we can do things differently. We can be a family as a church. So just take a minute, close your eyes, let this blessing be spoken over you. God, you saw me walk away. I had to. What was supposed to have been a refuge, a family, a community of hope, purpose, mutual encouragement, distorted all I understood you to be. Oh God, lead me to the heart of love so I might find the healing family I need and protect the reverence I have for you. For you do not consume, but rather feed. You do not destroy, but build up. You do not abandon your little ones, but insist that they belong in your arms. Enfolded here, I see you now, the God who loves us to the end. For though I walked away, you didn't. You found me. You'll lead me. Let's now find the others. Amen.